But you narrowed my phase. I mean, you want a full narrow anything. You want a full throated Bob Galen visible to everyone, don't you? Oh my gosh. I mean, really? I mean, in simpler terms, like a full Bob, we don't want to give people a half a Bob. Don't even go to the full Monty. It's like, like you always end up with the full Monty. I was I was leading into that direction. I know that. That's why it cut you off. Entry music. Da, 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 it's the Bob and Josh show. It's all about positivity and the challenges of being positive and the dangers of being positive. But you know what? If you get scared, if you get nervous, if you're not sure what to do, there's always someone to ask. That someone is our chatbot, Walter. You can find him at store.medicast.com. He's been loaded up with every episode we've ever had. So every word from Bob Galen, every word that I was able to squeeze in between Bob's words, they're all loaded up. 1.6 million of them. So ask it anything you want, and he'll give you the answer that we would give you, which is a pretty good deal. Aside from that, the only other news we have is we are now live on Kick because the streaming world is in all kinds of upheaval. So we're making sure we're available for those of you that are done with Twitch, whatever it might be, Kick is available for you. We are, as we are everywhere else, K-A-Z-I underscore I-O. On to the episode. Today's episode, Metacasters, is Josh and I wanted to explore positivity. That, you know, what is it would be a question. What are attributes of it? Where does it start? How do you maintain it? So is it a thing? If it is a thing, how important of a thing is it? And maybe, Josh, maybe you and I could do an elevator pitch before we go in, like just a minute or two, just react. Like, like you're speaking to your one of your kids' classes or something like that, and they ask you about agile positivity. Mm. And so, so, right, you're just, just reacting. You're just brain dumping some immediate yeah. thoughts about it. Would you mind going first? Because I have to form. I'm old. Sure. I have to form I my know. thoughts. I know we got to give the the wheel time to crank, and I got to even oil it. So I know so I need some. I need some yeah. private time. I know. I know. Private time. <laughs> <laughs> you did that one to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So I would take it out of. So if I'm speaking to kids, then that alters the message a little, but. I view positivity as requiring courage. Anybody can be positive when things are going well. Think about teammates that you may have or friends that you have that are fans of a sport team. That when that team is winning, they love the team. They're the greatest in the world. They're going to win the championship. But as soon as something goes wrong, the world is ending. It's over. I hate the coach. We need a new player, blah, blah, blah. That's not positivity. That's just along for the ride. Being positive requires leadership and requires a courage to be positive when others aren't. Because that's that's when the world needs it most, is when times are tough, when folks are down in the dumps. That positivity that you can bring is going to lift people up. Now, people will grumble about it, things like that, but... In the end, true positivity shines when things are dark. So that so that's the message I want to would want to send to a group of kids, but also I think is very important in the context that we're talking about of like real positivity. 
cool. I might go with it's. Uh, it starts. It's an inside-out job. Mm. So when I think when I think of positivity, I think, and and I want to. I don't want you all to think. So I'm sort of role-playing to kids. I don't want you all to think that that doesn't mean you can't be angry, you can't have a bad day, you can't be frustrated, you can't be depressed. Th- those are all valid feelings that yeah. we all have them. I think the difference between positivity and negativity is how quickly the inside out game that you play of how do I turn those feelings and what what triggers do I create or what models do I create to get me feeling more positive? So how do I turn it around in my head? I and turn it around to optimism. So part part for me is experience. You know, once I, you know, I may, I may hit a bump, but then I'm like, you know what? I've always recovered from those bumps yeah. and I'm looking forward to seeing how I recover. So I turn that into an optimistic view or I might, Josh opened it up with leadership. If I'm in a leadership role, even in a classroom, if I'm leading a group and we make a mistake, how I react affects the entire group. So I can have a moment of, darn it, we made a mistake. We colored outside the lines on that color book, right? We need to, we, let's try it again. Let's see what we do again. In fact, and then I try to turn everyone around. Optimistic, what characters are we going to play this time? What book are we going to pick up? How do we make that mistake? All right, let's avoid that in, in a positive way. So I, I think it's here. Assuming positive intent is something that we've talked about in the prep very lately. And to me, assuming positive intent is what you give people. It's that inside out job. So if I'm, you know, I'm looking at Josh right now, am I going to assume, and he's wearing a hat that I really don't like. I don't like that hat so much. So am I going to assume, I could assume that he wore that hat just to aggravate me. And stranger things could happen (laughs) than that. But and now he probably will in the future (laughs) do that. (laughs) Or I could just assume, you know what, it's just a hat. And I know Josh, and Josh is one of the best-hearted people I know. So assume positive intent. And you know what, those you, those are equal cho- choices that we make all the time. So how do we do that? So inside-out job, you control your positivity or not, and what are you going to do about it? As you were talking, I was thinking... Can you turn a bad situation around without positivity? I don't think you rebound at all if you can't have a positive view of the situation. Am I off base? Would you agree with that? I I agree. I think where I went when you started, and I'm trying not to get too religious-y, but I'm going mm-hmm. to use the but I'm going to use the term the universe. Mm-hmm. And there's this notion that the universe gives you what you're thinking. So what I'm what I'm projecting, the universe is like, oh, so let's say I'm grumpy. Not that that would ever happen, but let's say Never that seen that's it. and and I've actually I've actually reflected on this. I'm having I'm grumpy. And the universe thinks, oh, Bob's grumpy today. How do I how do I delight Bob? Well, I, I give him stuff that's going to make him even more grumpy, right? I give him more problems. I'm going to give so I'm going to delight Bob. He's going to be, he's, he, he's going to be along the side of the road, <laughs> just sitting there hoping someone hits him at the end of the day. How, and conversely, if I'm positive about things, 
right? If I have that approach, then I think the universe grants you that stuff. So let's bring it back to a problem you're solving, right? I think if you're not positive, I think it exacerbates the problem. Yeah. Right? You, 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 people will react to you poorly, or I might come in and start elbowing people out of the way, say, let me solve the problem or something. I, I don't, I, I think your attitude affects your solutioning directly. Yeah. Right. What there was a, did, go ahead. There was a saying that was, you know, jammed into our brain in college about adversity doesn't kill you. It's your reaction to it. Yeah. That really lands in this spot that bad things can happen and you can choose the negative path. And that will ultimately, as Bob said, put you in the worst possible spot, or you can accept that, Hey, something bad happened to me and take the positive view and start working to get out of it. So it is your reaction and it's not even, well, I guess it is your reaction, but ultimately you have a choice in that moment of, okay, cool. Something bad happened. What do I do? Do I wallow or do I choose to move forward? Now that doesn't mean, don't take time to be frustrated or sad and deal with those things. Do what you need to do. But then after that or during that, however you need to handle that, say, all right, I am going to get out of this. And that's one of those things that I, that I certainly buy into that you can, you can manifest things, right? It's like, if I, blindly believe I could make this happen, then you're going to do all the things that need to happen to enable that result to occur. If you don't have that positive, if you don't have that blind belief and some people will call you crazy, then it's not going to happen. Like you've already decided that's not going to happen because in your mind, you don't really believe you can do it. And that requires positive intent or positivity for you to believe that you can do something that hasn't been done before. People think you can't do. It's a mindset thing. It's not just your reaction. As you were talking, Josh, I was thinking it's a mindset. So there's another way of saying it. It's the law of attraction. You attract what you're thinking. So if I'm positive, I, I attract solutions. I attract positivity. I right, I project it, but I also attract it in my ecosystem or I attract negativity. I want to, I want to share something and see if you, if this has ever happened to you, it may just be me, but sometimes I find myself driving around on a weekend or whatever, and I'm in the car by myself and someone will pull out in front of me or, or some, something will happen. I get annoyed when people don't turn on their turn signals and they, they stop and, and then they turn with no warning to me. So it's the New Yorker coming at me. And I get really aggravated. So the first one triggers me. Then what I notice is like multiple people are doing this. So now I'm aggravated. I am negative. And I notice that more people are doing the same thing. Like driving. Like then someone else cuts me off. Or something else happens. It's not hundreds. But there's like this initial event. And then there's like two or three other events that happen. And I'm like, what's going on it's like are people just trying to piss me off or something and then i have to settle myself mm-hmm. like i settle myself and i turned neutral to positive and that sort of stops and i'm just using driving as an example yeah. and that that doesn't happen to me all the time but i'm like 
but it's it's the universe is telling me, Bob, if you don't settle yourself down, you're probably gonna smack into a truck or something like that at some point. Has anything similar ever happened to you? Yeah, uh, either I, jobs or just it, in life. To me, it's one of those things where there's a heightened awareness of things. So a classic example was one of the places I worked at did software for self-storage. And so I'm driving around the same area I've been driving around for a decade plus, and I'm noticing all of these self-storage facilities that I never knew existed before. But it's because it was at the front of my mind that I now was recognizing something that meant something to me now. Before it didn't matter. It didn't mean anything. So now there's something that means something to me. And I think the same thing happens with negativity is that you're not assuming positive intent. So you're already negative. So the slightest thing that is negative, it's at the front of your mind and that will set you off and snowball. And now it's, it's a, it's a problem. I think of the term like positive, I think of it as attitude is another way to, we, at least I've historically had discussions like interviewing people, you know, I've had the discussion, they have a good attitude or conversely, they have a bad attitude. So attributes of that. So and 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 it's beyond positive and negative. There's other attributes. What what do you what makes up a good attitude? Or does it even matter? You might react and say attitude. Some people really do not like talking about attitude as a criteria because I think it's intangible, but you know it when you see it. Well, it's difficult because your attitude can be made up of the privilege that you may have had in your life or through your career. You know, think about some of the places that you and I have been hired to go into and it's just an absolute shit show. And all of the engineers are just consistently beat up. They're always on a death march. And then you or I come in with a very positive attitude and saying, Hey, we're going to fix this. We're going to turn it around. And everybody has been there for like five years it's like yeah okay we'll see what happens but like there's no way and and so that environment has created has beaten them down so much that it's very difficult to have a positive attitude so while yes there's an there's an attitude that you can walk into a situation with that you may have yeah but the environment can also beat people down And so it's tough because I don't assign that attitude to that person. Uh, I think it's very rare for folks to be able to live in that situation, whatever it is, if it's a tough upbringing or not having a ton of money growing up, all of those things where there are all these things that people have said could be done, but you don't have the facilities to actually make it happen. And I think it takes a rare person to be able to fight through all of that without an outside force to be able to pick themselves up and move forward. And then even times where an outside force will, will come in like one of us coming into a disaster of a company and fixing it. There's a lot of people that are going to be like, okay, yep, this'll, this'll pass. This too shall pass. And in three months that Bob or Josh guy is going to be gone (laughs) because they can't change anything. Like this is the way it is. So there's a ton of challenge there. I, I think I recall a place where you and I worked. 
Yeah. That was the sort of, in fact, I remember someone there telling me. Yeah. <laughs> literally, Bob, I'm going to just wait. You know, yeah. I like you, but I'm not going to listen to you because I'm going to just wait you out. <laughs> and you'll yes. be gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I do, I, I mean, I think you brought up a really crucial point. Two, two critical points. It's this notion of privilege and, and the dynamics of folks and what has, what has created them. But there's also the company culture aspect of it. And so, so both of those influence attitude. And I buy that. And you're right on. I, but I do want to say, you know, we have some control over how we show up. Mm-hmm. Right? A base attitude, a base approach. I've seen some folks that are negative. I'm going to use the term negative and positive, but it may, it probably lacks you know, finesse to describe it, but who are negative all the time or they're pessimists all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's almost it almost independent. They could be in a great environment. You're at a YMCA annual festival fishing contest where fish are leaping out and grabbing your hook. <laughs> and it's just, oh, it's not a big enough. Oh, my God. I had a, like, Oh, I think I pulled my arm out of a whack pulling the fish in or something. They're just not, they're never happy. And then there are folks who have so innate, innately negative, innately positive. And I think there's some choice there or how you show up. I don't know. Like you, for example, Josh, you're, you're mostly, we evaluated sevens. Mm -hmm. You're mostly positive. Right, you you mm-hmm. really are, and in adversity, sometimes your positivity amps up with mm-hmm. the adversity, right? Which which is hell, which is not hard, not easy, but it makes sense to me. So react to this innate yes environment, but there's some innate controls or innate wiring. I wonder. There there is. I think when I think about people that operate the way you described, where everything is lining up perfectly. And I think about how someone would live there. I think you only end up in a situation like that where you're like overprivileged and you're unable to, to, to feel the greatness going on because it's not good enough. You know, it's not shiny enough. It's not whatever because you're used to some unrealistic yeah. standard maybe yeah. or something like that i buy that i was also yeah. thinking about a guy a guy i work with i think there's that and it could also be you just you've had so much adversity uh-huh. uh, that that you can't part i i work with a guy at eye contact and we were in agile shop and he had trouble trusting and he worked there for i worked with him for three years i don't think he ever trusted that we really were we meant what we said yeah yeah. And I think he had trauma. I not I think. Yeah. He had he had previous job trauma mm-hmm. that we couldn't overcome. Right. He couldn't overcome it. We couldn't overcome it. Whatever. It just was there. And and I probably used the term negative attitude or attitude in my head at least with that. But it really was trauma. So there's trauma induced nature to it. And that's what you brought privilege or that previous trauma. Yeah. Does it does it matter? I mean, come let's come back. What difference does it make a difference? Does it matter? Does we're talking about matter? like we're like like positivity. Oh yes, yes. I think it. It's 
do you want a tailwind or do you want a headwind? And you can create a tailwind for you, your team, your partners, your company, whatever it is, by creating that positive intent. One of the things that I think, not I think, I know people can be overly positive. And what I mean by overly positive is that there's no, gosh, I feel like I'm like being a hypocrite here, that there's nothing's ever bad and everything's going to be fine. You have those rose colored glasses. Yeah. And there appears to be no acceptance of reality. Now that goes against everything I said a few minutes ago about having that blind positivity of, I 100% believe that this is going to happen and I'm going to do it. But there's, but there is a difference. There's a difference in, I think you accept the reality with that positivity that others believe this can't be done. You accept that it hasn't been done before. You know it's a difficult climb, but you're in it 100%. Then there's that unrealistic positivity where everything's peachy keen and you ignore the reality. So just because you accept the reality doesn't mean you don't accept the challenge. But if you ignore the reality, then there's a very good likelihood that your positivity won't actually do any good. And it may do harm because people are like, okay, yeah, like that's not, I get that that could happen, but here's the 85,000 steps that would have to happen that we actually don't control for that to be positive. So that's one of those delicate, there's a, there's a fine line there as a leader about positivity and reality, about not accepting it, but addressing it, knowing it's there, reacting to it. I was, I was looking, I was aligning it. Stephen Covey's son wrote this book, like the 13 behave, trust behaviors of, mm. of, I think of leaders. Is it leaders of high trust leader, 13 behaviors of a high trust leader. And one of them was talk straight. Another one, create transparency one that gets really and i think these interweave with what you're saying the other one is confront reality yeah right and so you can be positive but nothing i i i in my leadership classes people have talked about working for leaders and it undermines trust and faith in the leader mm-hmm. when they're over, overly positive we know we just had a down year but they're talking about the revenue pipeline going forward but we've just had a down year we just mm-hmm. laid people off you're, you know, you're not acknowledging where we're at. So I think it's, there's an acknowledgement level or a connection to reality level to positivity that you're alluding to as a team member. And if mm-hmm. you stretch it too far, I call it poly, you know, if you're like Pollyanna, oh, everything's yeah. right. It's like Pollyanna syndrome. That's, that can be, inc- that's not what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. You have, you have to be a realist, a realistic positivist whatever that whatever that i don't even know if, I, I don't even know if that's a that's a thing it is now there i, I want to bring up something else and change gears there's something called appreciative inquiry and appreciative yeah. inquiry has been around it's an organizational development tactic or a framework and appreciate it's been around for decades not too many decades but like one to two decades that i'm aware of it's it's 
normally taught in positive psychology programs, like the University of Pennsylvania has a, not Penn State, but Penn yeah. has a, has a real, like a, a positive psychology department that's world renowned. Yeah. Uh, I, th I forget, Harold Sigmund has written a couple books about positive psychology there. And uh, appreciative inquiry is sort of like a tour technique that's emerged from that, from that space. And appreciative inquiry says, don't focus on your, your negatives or your, don't focus on your weaknesses when you're doing one aspect of uh, appreciative inquiry is to like do an annual plan and you get people together and you, and you don't amplify what, what did we screw up? You amplify, what did we do well? And, and, and then you appreciate that. And so the inquiry is what did we do? Well, mm -hmm. not negative. I mean, we can have constructive things, but really we're focusing on what do we kick ass with? And then how do we do more of that? And you're trying to get 80% of your time focusing on amplifying your strengths rather than focusing on correcting your weaknesses. And I think that, and, and it's a very, it's sort of a, a very amplification, like the mindset there is all plus plus. Yeah. It's all, so that it's aligns with, with, with the whole concept of you should be spending 80% of your time with your top 20% of performers yeah. that are on your team. Yeah. Unfortunately, exactly. it's usually the, the opposite, but it's yeah. amplifying what you're already good at. That has a greater impact than amplifying the things that are problems. You know, so, you yeah. like you don't you don't like to write. Right. That's unless you have a you know a brainless automaton doing it for you. Yes. <laughs> yes, called chat GPT or some yeah. Can, yeah. But or Walter. But, or Walter. <laughs> well. Man, you just stopped me. I, I was on. I was ready to go for the jugular. And go ahead. Go ahead. Of, go ahead. No, but but from a, an appreciative inquiry perspective, I would say, Josh, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Don't don't whatever you can do. That's not your strength. So skip it. If you if you get someone to write it for you, as long as you're not breaking any laws, right, right, right. That's fine. What are you good at? Mm -hmm. And now, what happens next year if you get ten times better at what you're good at? Right. Right. It's that notion, you know, positive versus, you know, so maybe strength versus weakness is another alignment point. Mm -hmm. I always liked appreciative inquiry. HR teams are typically aware of it. You can run like any like strategy, company strategy sessions and things like that. You can put that on product. You could talk about, again, let's not talk about the problems we're having, like usage, driving future products by usage statistics, mm -hmm. right? What's the top three things? Right. But everyone has an opinion. Yeah, but it doesn't, that's great. It's that appreciative inquiry sort of aspect to everything we do. Yeah. That's interesting from a product side of the house, since I've been dubbed the product guy here. I have so heard many, that about you. So, so, so many companies focus on the features they don't have. And we have to have this because so-and-so competitor has, and if we don't, then we're screwed. But you could, should, flip flip the script and say what do we have that nobody else has let's 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 widen that gap let's get even yeah. better at the yeah. thing that yeah. gives us the unique right to win so what is the thing that we have that nobody else has that we can go to market and we know no one else can compete with this because we're the only ones that do it and so yeah. now widen that gap more instead of Correct. Bringing yourself towards the people that are chasing you. 
and it's not even just product. Let's say your a differentiation is customer support. You're constantly getting tens, yeah, in the marketing customer support. Well, then, yes, do some product work, but what about amplifying your like talk market your customer support, mm -hmm. invest. Well, so you have a great customer support team. Give them a bonus, but see what see what so so or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Delight delight them and grow them uh, more, and just really lean into that. Yeah. I think there's an alignment between that. It, it's the appreciation side. There's a, there's some celebration in appreciative inquiry too. You don't just put it on a list. You actually try to like let's celebrate what we're good at. Let's let's run around the room and high five each other about that. Let's let's have a cake, or or I'm or, in. or tacos or something. In. Yeah, exactly. Where where else do you want to go with this? This you know positivity. I want to circle back with some of the things that we talked about earlier with privilege and things like that. That's a lesson I learned the hard way is I assumed everybody was wired the way that I was. And I would get confused, frustrated when members of my team weren't as fired up as I was or enthusiastic about something new or they were pessimistic about it and i did a poor job early in my career of understanding taking the time to understand that person's path to here and understanding the challenges that were presented in front of them their wins what those felt like what baggage they have not baggage and not trying to teach treat it in a negative way, yeah. but there's baggage. It doesn't mean yeah. it's good or bad. It just is. And so understanding what that baggage they have is and being able to address and relate things through their lens. Like I said, early in my career, I was, I was not good at this. And over the years I've had, I've, I've had to work really hard to make sure I hit the pause button and invest time in understanding how someone got here, honoring that and helping to create a good experience here so that they felt safe in a space to have that positive enthusiasm because before it was not accepted or denied or anything like that. So now right. there's hesitation. It's like a, it's a, it's like a dog or a cat that comes in off the street and you don't know what kind of background they have. And so they're, they have some trepidation and you have to honor that and treat them with respect, knowing that there's fear. That's a strong word for people and work type stuff, but there, it's probably not a strong word. It probably is the right word. There's, there's fear of, Oh no, this is going to be like that one right. time. Right. And so you as a leader have to work really hard to prove that this is a safe space and you have to be consistent. If you're not consistent, you can never expect that person that has fear to walk in the door and start trusting. Think right. about some of those pets that come in off, off the street and you see videos of new owners just sitting with them for hours trying to get them to relax enough that they could actually pet them. And it's those types of things that you have to do as a leader 
to enable and create that safe space for everyone, because what it takes to create the safe space for each member of your team is different. And you can't expect that, hey, if I've got this one person, then everybody else is on board. No, right. you're not. So you have to work really hard to create that positivity within your org. And it's going to be different for each person because every person got here through their own path. Yep. A couple reactions. I want to reframe baggage because mm -hmm. I trigger on baggage. Yeah. Baggage sounds inherently negative. Mm -hmm. Like I'm overly burdened. I, I, trauma comes to mind. I have historical trauma. I, I might have family trauma. I might have organizational trauma. And, and yeah. to me, that's not something I'm, that's something that was done to me. I would also say experience. I'd reframe the term to experience. I'm just coming with my experiences. That's one thing. So I, I'd like us to get away from baggage. Yeah. Uh, the second, the second thing is you said something, I think there's two, there's two positivity in leadership roles. I would say in coaching roles, there's, there's my positivity and then there's your positivity. Like if I'm coaching you or I'm leading you, Josh, I, so it's not just my view. I have to meet you. And this works for coaching as well. I have to, I need to, I can be incredibly positive and optimistic. Uh, I still have fears and doubts and trauma, et cetera, and experiences, but I'm naturally wired that way. I'm trying to influence you, coach you, lead you. I, I can't, I can't project my view of positivity to you. I have to connect to yours. Mm -hmm. Another way, I have to meet you where you are and actually not try to inject my positivity into you. I can do things like paint a picture. I can share my world with you. I can share the why behind I'm, where I'm at, but it's up to you to move to meet me or not. It's not, it, it's one of those things that you have to change yourself. You have to decide that. So I think as a leader, it's particularly important to meet everyone uniquely. I, I, that was an important point to me that really resonated with me. So there's, there's almost like it's a star pattern, right? There's my positivity or organization, but I have to meet everyone else and I could, and potentially they can move closer to me or closer mm. to our culture, but, but that's on, oops, that's on them. Any yeah, reactions? I, I mean, the more we talk about it and the more I think about some of my positivity uh, failures is a strong word but where I wasn't able to maintain the positivity that I wanted to bring to the world, being it my team, friends, whatever, it got that it really got down to courage. And at some point I lost my courage to be the positive force that I wanted to be. Yeah. And those are lessons that still stick with me that have, even when, I don't want to do it or something's frustrating me to the point where I'm not in a positive mindset. I know that to be the leader that I aspire to be, there are times when I have to be positive for the team, even when I'm not completely there. What I can't do is I can't put my problems on them. Yeah. And that's where things get really tough is when your world is swirling in the negative way, yet you're working to maintain a system of some sort with people involved, be it a team or just partnerships or whatever, that you bring positivity towards that 
that group because so is it gosh is it really that i have every system has its own like positivity rating you know maybe maybe my personal positivity in life things that are affecting me is not great but things at work are going well and i need to keep them going well and not drag them down with my personal challenges and frustrations and i need to amplify the positivity just like we talked about with bob's right. thoughts and that's where that, that courage really comes in is being able to separate the two and maybe that's not a healthy thing i think you have to address the personal stuff which historically I haven't always done but i'm getting better at that where you have to address both and and is it reasonable to expect that you operate with different positivity based on the organizational unit that you're dealing with at the time i think i mean how i'm you're making me think right now metacasters i have some health challenges in my family i'm doing some caregiving and so my my life has fundamentally changed at home mm -hmm. not in a good way and my positivity i'm struggling more to maintain my positivity at home I'm also teaching classes. I'm coaching clients. I'm showing up as a leader in the space. And I have a responsibility. Josh, we've talked about a leader has a responsibility to bring it, mm -hmm. not to be perfect. So I'm I'm in this position where I have to meet systems with with higher positivity than I'm feeling. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it's easier for me. Sometimes it's really I was doing a class the other day and I was just feeling really down. And I wasn't even clear and I couldn't make it known to them. I right. don't, I don't, I don't want to always tell everyone my life story that they're not that interested in it, Yeah. but it's still affecting me. So I, so I think there's not one. So, you know, we talk about meeting people where they are. Well, they're probably having the same thing. They have a work positivity yeah. meter and they have a home. Yeah. Everyone is an individual. And then we have that and we're navigating that in our system. Now I do think it's important for leaders. We have to bring it right. Like domain leaders, you know, physical management leaders. And that's what, and it's hard. It's, it's hard to be in that role when you have internal trauma going on. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. And that's the, that's really, really, really hard. Yeah. And, and, we, and I don't know how to, how to like train for that. I think there's a resilience aspect. I, as you were talking, I was the term resilience popped into my head, mm -hmm. and it's been popping into my head more and more lately. Yeah. Did we do a resilience episode? I we did. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Right. And there, it's not one definition, but this notion of I think you build one of the things we maybe have talked about uh, was building resilience over time. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, sort of exercising your resilience, building your resilience. I think that same thing happens with your positivity. It's like practice with your positivity, practice bringing as a leader, mm -hmm. having practice bringing that in, but being authentic enough to know when you're not ready, like giving yourself some space at home. That's what I was thinking of the other day. I'm like, you know what, if I was, if I was even less positive, I would, I might cancel this session. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It, like re recognizing that I can't and, and giving and honoring that, like not handling it as a failure, but honoring the fact that I need, I need time. 
I'm I'm not quite there yet from the positivity point of view. You know, I think back to when I was going through the divorce and at work, I it was weighing on me so much and I felt as if I couldn't be the Josh that I had been. So I had a sit down discussion with the people that I worked with on a daily basis that I knew valued me and I could, and I was comfortable having the discussion with them. And I said, I'm working through this in my personal life and I have an expectation that it's going to be difficult for me to bring, to bring it like Bob said, like I always have. So please allow me a little bit of grace as I work through this, I'm going to give it my darndest. I don't want that to be the reality, but I just want to, it was weird for me trying to lower expectations, but there was a moment in my life where I needed that because I needed to so drastically focus on personal life stuff that that was diverting attention away from my leadership focus and where I was bringing the positivity. And so in that very small circle, there was support and that support gave me more positivity in the personal life. Right. So it, so it was a scary thing for me to, to do, to say like, Hey, I need you to expect less of me. And that's a very uncomfortable thing for me to say, but doing that like buoyed me. That was one of my dad's favorite words, buoy, buoyed me with, with more positivity because of that. But, but it did take me months before I got to the point where I was comfortable even saying that, where I felt like, Hey, I have to do this because I don't feel like, and it was, you know, it was a stretch for me to say they aren't getting the money that they're paying, but that's how I felt at that time. Yep. And that was, that was a difficult thing. I mean, that was something that ran into my mind. So one choice I had with the class that I'm describing yeah. is I, I could have canceled it for that yeah. day. Another thing I could have done is I could have disclosed to them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, a, it, it, and again, we have to honor, we have to honor the individual. Yeah. So I had, I had an exactly the same situation years ago. I got divorced. I mean, decades ago. I So, but I I did the same thing that you talked about. I brought it to a trusted, I was leading a large team. I brought it to a trusted group that, that I'd work with colleagues. Some of them were leaders. Some of them were just our, you know, individual contributors. And I shared with them what was going on and, and they responded incredibly positively. And they were my support, not so much for the divorce support, but supporting the gap that I was going to leave behind mm-hmm. in, in the company, because I just couldn't perform at the level that I was comfortable. I needed recovery time. I needed yeah. time to deal with the divorce. There were times where I, I had an emergency. I had four children, young children. My wife had moved to Pennsylvania and I was working in Connecticut and, and an emergency came up from Pennsylvania. And I literally ran out to my car to drive the four or five hours to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, and I would give, I would give a few of these folks a trusted like sign, like I'm out of here and I need your help. And yeah. it was like, I got, I got your back, Bob. And that was a foundation and they needed that at sometimes in their future and yeah. it create it created a, a strong bond. So it's a, but 
it was my choice. It, right. I, I don't know if all leaders have to be, I think leaders have to figure out how to expose their vulnerabilities over time and what they're mm-hmm. comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and each of those people that I talked to and that you talked to had a choice Yep. and they chose to be a positive influence in your life. Yep. Absolutely. Which is probably why you were comfortable, why I was comfortable talking to them, because I assumed that it was still scary yep. uh, because you open yourself up. Oh, absolutely. But, but each one of them has a choice of what do I do with this information? And everyone chose to be positive, not just in the work environment, but okay, how can I help? What can I do? I want to be a positive influence for you in this difficult time, just like you or I would, you and I have done it for each other. You know, it's one of those things where that person has a choice. So that positivity, that new term, I like buoy, it buoyed you, right? It lifted you up absolutely, and and it helped you maintain some semblance of what you thought you could, should, should be. So that's the difference that positivity can make even just the little things in another human's life and really helping lift them and give them the support that's needed. And to Bob's point earlier, resilience, you kind of have to practice that because in that moment you could be like, Oh my gosh, I've got my own problems and I, I can't deal with this. Sorry, Bob. Like, thanks for sharing, but you're on your own, bub. I can't, I can't take on more. But building that resilience so that when something happens to you or friends or teammates, whatever it might be, that you can bring the positivity like we opened the episode with when things are hard. It's easy to be a good teammate when everything's going well. Really great teammates shine when something goes wrong. And do they use their positivity to pick things up or not? So Practice now when things are good so that when something goes sideways, you have the skills and capability to be that positive force that helps you, the org, just one more human to make a difference. One of the things I'm going to come back to leaders, and this is a little off the positivity track, but not too far, I think. It just struck me as, as you were talking, as I was listening to myself, I don't think leaders ask for help enough. I'm almost thinking like a prerequisite for leaders is, and it goes back to you asked for help. Basically, I need a little help. Mm-hmm. I needed a little help. A class, I might say, I need a little help. I have found, and I don't think it's, I'm, I'm like this. I think you're like this, but I think a lot of leaders are like this. You look at asking for help as being a, a weakness. I'm actually thinking it's a positivity incre- you know, increaser. It's a trust increaser. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm think my head is going like, let's yell at the top of the building to all leaders, ask for help more. It ha- it's going to create this positive, these positive outcomes, these positive opportunities for folks to step in, et cetera. It's, it's under, it's an underutilized superpower. I've actually asked people for help as a leader when I didn't, I mean, I wasn't being a jerk, but I really I, I would offer help as an opportunity to raise the organization. I didn't really need it. I could have figured something out on my own, mm-hmm. but then I had a choice. It's like, why not ask someone, like, ask Josh for help mm-hmm. and, and give him the opportunity to learn something, give him the opportunity to shine or whatever you want to, however you want to phrase it. And, and, and I, 
I, I want to just, I wanted to make that point. Anyone who's out there and you're all leaders, how about you start asking for help more and creating the space for positive impact in your organizations by doing that? That's a, an experiment question. I think it could be super. Yeah, it's one of those things we've talked about with team leads of with the best intent, they take everything on themselves. Yet that has a potential to stunt the growth of members of their team. So providing a positive experience, a positive place for folks to try newer, bigger, different things and have that opportunity for them to be willing to grab that and run with that and not be, I mean, you're going to be a little nervous, but to not be scared that you're taking on something new and big yeah. and that if you do yeah. mess it up, it's okay because there's that positivity there. Well, and I mean, years ago, to be honest, I just needed help as I was driving to Pennsylvania. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't measuring the, it was a win that, that I had coverage. I wasn't measuring the effectiveness of every. It was positive yeah. because someone had my back. Yeah. I was I wasn't stupid enough to start it. Oh, that was only a 9.8 coverage on a scale of 10. You need to improve that next time. No, sh shut up, Bob. These people are chipping in and helping you out, right? Yep. So so it's it's all good. It's all positive opportunity. Are we did I we I feel like we rambled a little bit, but I also feel like we landed. How are you feeling? If by we, you mean you, then yes, we did ramble. Oh, oh, oh take some ownership. Come yeah, on. You didn't, yeah. you didn't ramble at all. Not, not even a little bit. Not one syllable. Not one. Show no weakness, Josh. None, <laughs> none, none. Oh gosh. Yes. Have I you ever, have you ever people. failed? No. Uh, uh, no, never. no. I just had minor setbacks. <laughs> exactly. That I soon overcame. Are you ready to land it? What do you think? I think we can do that. All right. So I'm Bob Galen. Oh, I I got that wrong. How did how I many, do how that? How many times have we done this? I, I hundreds, <laughs> <laughs> hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, and equally beautiful downtown Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. I'm Bob Galen, and I'm Josh Anderson. Shake, shake, and, and bake. Take care, y'all.